Chapter Twenty One of Regiment of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Regiment of Women by Clement Stain. Chapter Twenty One. Louise ran up the steep hill, her satchel patting at her back, the soft wind disordering her hair and whipping a color into her white cheeks. She gained the deserted cloakroom, flung off her hat, and fled upstairs. But she was later than she guessed, racing, against all rules, through the upper hall and down the long corridor. The drone of voices as she passed the glass panel doors warned her that no hurrying could avail her. She was definitely late. Her speed slackened. The passage ended at right angles to a small landing, into which her classroom opened. She paused, sheltering in the curve of the hall, listening. The class was still. The single voice of a mistress rang muffled through the walls. She could not distinguish the accents. It was Miss Durand's class, but when everything was so upset, one never knew. It might be Miss Hartle herself. That would be just Louise's luck. She hated you to be late. But there was no point in hesitating. Yet she hesitated, shifting her weight uneasily from foot to foot, till a far-off step in the corridor without ended her uncertainty. Someone was coming. That again might be Miss Hartle. Louise must be in her place. Yet surely it was Miss Hartle's voice in the form room? She crept to the door and peered through the glass. Miss Duran was standing at the blackboard. Louise entered, brazen with relief, and began her apologies. But Alwyn was no Radamanthus, and her official reprobation was marred by a twinkle. She would have been late herself that morning, but for Elsbeth, poor dear Elsbeth, who conceded, without remotely comprehending, the joys of that extra twenty minutes. And when had Louise been late before? Little, good, frightened Louise? She entered the name in the defaulter's book, but her manner sent the child to her desk quieted. Alwyn, at sentry go-between blackboard and rostrum, dictating, supervising, expounding, yet found time to watch her. Louise was always a little on her motherly young mind. The child's shrinking manner worried her, and her pain-haunted eyes. Pain was Alwyn's devil. She was selfish, as youth must be, but at least unconsciously. Hint trouble, and all of her was eager to serve and save. She was the instinctive Samaritan, but her perception was blurred by her profound belief in Clare. Louise, she knew, was in good hands, in wise hands. Where she had known ten children, Claire had trained a hundred. If Claire's ways were not hers, so much the worse for hers. Yet this disciplining of Louise was a long business. She wished it need not make the child so wretched. Surely Claire forgot how young she was. There would be new trouble over the affair of the papers. If Claire would but be commonplace for once, laugh and say it didn't matter, and perhaps asked Louise to tea. The child would be radiant for another six months, and work better, too. But, of course, it was absurd for her to dictate to Claire. Louise had had such a pretty color when she came in. It was all gone now. She looked dreadfully thin. Alwyn wondered if it would do any good to speak to Claire again. Dear Claire, she was so proud of her girls, so eager to see them successful. Louise was a bitter disappointment to her, Yet, if she could have been gentler, but 
Of course, Claire knew best. Alwyn only hoped the rehearsal would be a success. If Louise did well, it might adjust the tension. She watched the child, sitting apparently attentive, noted the moving lips, the little red volume half hidden in her lap. Shakespeare had no business in a physiology lesson, but Alwyn let her alone. The hour was over all too quickly for Louise. Earlier in the year, when she had been at her most brilliant, and Miss Hartle's classes the absorbing joy of her day, she had yet welcomed the hours with Miss Durand. They alone had not seen, in comparison, a waste of priceless time. They were jolly hours, quick-stepping, cheerful, laughter-flecked, void of excitements, yet never savorless, above all restful. Unconsciously she had counted on them for their recuperative value. Even now, exhausted, overwrought, beyond all influence, the kindly atmosphere could at least soothe her. Wistfully her eyes followed Alwyn as the young mistress left the room. Clamor arose, slamming of desk lids, thud of satchels and rattle of pencil cases mingling with the babble of tongues. The next lesson was French grammar. The little Frenchwoman was invariably late. She dreaded the lesson as much as her audience enjoyed it. They welcomed it as a pleasant interlude, the hour of her conversation. Agatha did not even trouble to keep an eye on the door as she turned to Louise, immobile beside her. I say, were you late? Didn't you see? Why were you late? Weren't you called? Didn't you wake up? No. Why? Oh, the housemaid died in the night. Smallpox. Louise stooped over her book, her shoulders hunched against questions. No, but tell me, did you get in a row? You heard what Daffy said. I want to learn, Agatha. Oh, not that. Did you get in a row about the rehearsal? What rehearsal? The rehearsal yesterday. Louise sat up, her eyes widening. There was no rehearsal yesterday? She said anxiously. Wasn't there just? But I never heard. Nobody told me. Why, Daffy came in herself yesterday morning. Everyone was there. I suppose you are moonstruck as usual. Do you mean to say you didn't hear? I don't envy you. Was she angry? said Louise in her smallest voice. Agatha began to enjoy herself. Angry? She was raving. What did she say? Well, she didn't say much, admitted Agatha. Just asked where you were, and if not, why not? You know her way. Then we got started and went all through it, and had a gorgeous afternoon. She read your part. I say, she can act, can't she? But she was pretty mad, of course. Was she? said Louise, but it was not a question. Oh, and you're to go to her at break this morning. Don't go and forget and then say I didn't tell you. And she turned to greet the entering mistress with a flood of Anglo-French. Louise had three parts of an hour in which to assimilate the message. How unlucky she was! She remembered the previous morning as one remembers a nightmare. Mr. Ant had certainly drifted through its dreadfulness, but of what she had said or done, Louise remembered nothing. But it was certain that she had managed to annoy Miss Hartle more than ever. To miss a special rehearsal. Now she was to go to her, and Miss Hartle would be so angry already that when the question of the papers arose, the last chance of her leniency was gone. For, of course, she would speak of the examination. What would she say? Her imagination stubbed. 
It could not pierce the terror of what Miss Harnell would say. The break was half over before she had wrenched herself out of her desk, along the length of the school, and up the staircase to Claire's little sanctum. She knocked timidly. Claire's answering bell, that invariably startled her, rang sharply. She hesitated. The bell rang again, a prolonged, shrill peal. She pulled herself together, opened the door, and went in. The floor was littered with gay costumes. Miss Durand, in a big apron, laugh-flushed, with her pretty hair tumbling down her back, was sorting them into neat heaps. Claire, at ease in the big armchair, directing operations while her quick fingers cut and pasted at a tinsel crown, was laughing also. How happy they look, thought Louise. Claire glanced up. Well, Louise, she said, not unkindly. Louise stammered a little. Miss Harrell, I'm very sorry. I'm most awfully sorry. They said, the girl said, there was rehearsal yesterday and you wanted me. I honestly didn't know. I've only just heard there was one. Claire kept her waiting while she clipped at the indentations of the crown. The scissors clicked and flashed. It seemed an interminable process. Finally she spoke to Alwyn, her eyes on her work. Mr. Rand, you gave my message to the fifth? Yes, Alwyn had told the girls. Wasn't Louise in the room at the time? Alwyn's unwilling eyes took in every detail of the forlorn figure between them. She lied swiftly, amazing herself. As a matter of fact, I believe Louise was not in the room at the time. It was my fault. I should have seen that she was told. I'm so sorry. Louise gave a little gasp of relief, more audible than she realized. Claire roused at it. She disliked a check. She disliked also the obvious sympathy between the child and the girl. No, it was my fault. I should have gone myself. It's always wiser. It saves trouble in the long run. Never mind, Louise. You couldn't help it. Are you sure of your words? Louise, infinitely relieved, was quite sure of her words. Very well. Shut the door after you. Oh, Louise. Louise turned in the doorway. Yes, Miss Hartle? I may as well explain to you now. I am rearranging the classes. Louise questioned her mutely. You will be in the upper fourth next term. Louise stood petrified. She had never thought of this. You are moving me down? I am third still. We think, Miss Marsham agrees with me, that the work in the fifth is too much for you. It is not your fault. Miss Hartle, I have tried. I am trying. Claire smiled quite pleasantly. I am quite sure of it. I tell you that I am not blaming you. I blame myself. If I expected more of you than you could manage, no one but myself is to blame. I am sure you will do well in the fourth. Louise broke out passionately. It is because of the examination. Claire held out her crown at arm's length and eyed it between criticism and approval as she answered Louise. I think, said Claire smoothly, we had better not discuss the examination. Louise stood in the doorway, her mouth quivering. Alwyn could stand the scene no longer. She jerked herself upright and, going to the child, slipped her arm about her and pushed her gently from the room. Claire was still admiring her crown as Alwyn shut the door again, 
Alwyn must try it on. It would suit Alwyn. Alwyn peeped at herself in the little mirror, but her thoughts were with Louise on the other side of the door. Claire, said Alwyn uneasily, you hurt that child. Claire looked at her oddly. Do her good, she said. Do you think no one has ever hurt me? Alwyn was silent. At times her goddess puzzled her. End of chapter 21 Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona Chapter 21 of Regiment of Women 